who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise as of yet. Now the question is, is this even possible in this present day? We read about the great <laughs> cloud of witnesses, but can we see something like this happen today? And that's coming at Amen. you right now. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. His kingdom's sure increase. Well, that's a really tall, tall order. To it fill. really is. And uh, I remember <laughs> listening to Leonard Ravenhill. He said every time he read Hebrews chapter 11, wow. every time he had the, the thought like, dear God, I'm not the man I should be. Dear Lord, God, these all. people have subdued kingdoms Amen. and wrought righteousness. Go. He's like, dear God, we can't even get to church on Sunday night. You know, <laughs> you know how he talks, yeah, right? I've seen that. But uh, God help us. That should, I, I mean, I, I read something like that. It doesn't make you kind of sit up a little bit, put your shoulders back and think, Lord, do it again. Yeah. And if you want to use absolutely. me, I'm willing, you know? Absolutely. That's the thought. Unfortunately, in our in our days right now, instead of this amazing view that we see here being kind of our motivating factor, it seems to be more pragmatism, you know? It seems to be just do what works. You know, these were concerned in in what we read here in the scripture those people were concerned with doing what was right and they kind of left the exploits up to god whether that exploit happened in their lifetime or whether that happened later what they were saying was lord what do you want me to do what is right and then in obedient faith they right. stepped out so pragmatism is a very it's very dangerous and in some respect i believe it's taken the place of this kind of faith that we see right here. And I think a lot of people may start off with the right uh, the motive because they feel like they need to be dutiful. They need to do what's right. And there is a practical aspect to Christianity. Sure. But it seems like at some point, you know, they lose in doing the duty, which isn't a bad thing. They lose that aspect of faith and taking risks for God and trusting God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had read about... Um, I think George Mueller, he was saying that, of course, George Mueller is known for this this great man of faith and, and these right. exploits that he had done. He was saying that what his practice ended up being was that he would wait on God until he had direction. You know, instead of just thinking, this needs to be done, here we go, we're going to do this now, he would take time to get alone with God. He would wait on God until he had that direction. When he had the direction, then he made sure that he was dead to himself well, over the issue. He was he would just go over the whole thing and say, is there any bit and part of this where my hands are on this 
and this is an all for the glory of God. He makes sure he was completely dead to self over the issue. And after that happened, he went forward in uh, obedient, expecting faith that God was going to come through That's on it. Good. And his life was a testimony to that very end. So sometimes, you know, in our day, we're so busy being pragmatic. We aren't waiting upon God and then acting. It's we're acting and then asking God to bless it afterwards. That's, that's true. But we need to get, I think, a little bit closer to what George Mueller had done. That I think that would serve our age well. It served the church well. It's something that is really um, almost unheard of in American evangelical churches. But once again, if you know anything about church history and even the people that will talk about that's that was the secret to their power they learned to wait upon god and uh, god gave them strength spiritually and uh they did what they needed to do and god gave them souls and influence and the kingdom went forward amen you know and i want to i say we've got to have a larger view of god's kingdom i i fear the trap that we can fall into is building our own little kingdoms yeah. And in a sense, I would, I think that I would say that there's, there's a sense in which that is almost right, that God wants us to build our own right. little kingdom in the corner. Our own sphere of influence for God. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we've got to have a larger view of God's kingdom. I think, I think a lot of what's going on right now is like the view of the kingdom of God is simply just get souls saved, just get them saved, just get them saved, just get them saved, get them to make a profession. And right. then the kingdom is growing. The kingdom is growing. When you look at the kingdom of God through the Old Testament and what God had done through all those ages going up into the New Testament, of course, now we have the, the blessing and benefit of church history. Right. When you look at what the kingdom of God has done and accomplished, it's so much broader than just get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. God made giants. God made men giants. Yeah. He also took the nobodies and put people in strategic places so that where the gospel started off with a small cluster of people in Jerusalem, it has virtually spread right. throughout the entire world and has leavened societies and kingdoms and whatever, which is exactly what Jesus said. Even wicked kingdoms, even yeah. wicked countries. I just read the other week, and I, I forget all the details, and I don't know if there was a, a prominent preacher denomination mentioned but somebody was saying in last month or so that in russia i guess in the 1960s they had always as a communist communist nation they had been very hard on the churches but there was a renewed persecution at some point in the 60s and the evangelicals of russia you know they instead of giving up they just went deeper in prayer and uh, there are wow. people that felt like after that you know, there was a revival maybe in the next 10 years, 15 years or whatever it was that eventually led to the overthrow of communism in Russia Praise and God. Eastern Europe. But they were really going through the ringer. They were really being persecuted. And uh, those persecuted people, they would fast and they would they would pray like they never had before. And it was a wide thing. And it affected their nation for good and for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so when we think about the kingdom, we don't just want to be uh, we don't just want to be concerned about the church and that's the kingdom and that's it. If you look through the parables and I did a study on this, I, you could go back through our channel. Um, I can't remember how long ago it was, but there, I think there's three different parts about the kingdom of God, three different uh, things where I just went through a, a new Testament scriptures. Well, wow. wow. and that was revealing to me in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about the parable of, uh, 
I believe it was the the sowing the good seed, and then there was bad seed that grew up in it. Yeah, it speaks about the kingdom of God. Let me just see. I'm going to pull up that that section right there. It says, "The Son of Man," in verse 41 of Matthew 13, "The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity." Well, that particular parable helps us to realize the kingdom of God is made up of saints, definitely. But there's also an aspect of which the kingdom of God is this existence in which we live. He said he's going to gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and do iniquity. When we realize that Jesus right now is already king over this whole existence, yeah. and then he's put into our hands the power to then claim victory over places where the devil's got his grimy mitts on it. And this is one thing that helped me a little while ago. I used to have the thought that the devil was in control of all the world. I know it says the devil is the god of this world, and I, I I would quote things like that, but I started to realize something that I hadn't before, that the devil was like, he's like an Absalom, and it's a counterfeit kingdom inside of God's kingdom. Well, this is God's kingdom. He comes in and boasts that he's got the power, and he's winning the allegiance of people, and he's taking ground that wasn't his. And if you look at the story of Absalom, Absalom acted like the king, but he really had no authority. He wasn't well, king at all. When I started to see this picture of what the kingdom of God was, it started to help me to realize the devil's just boasting liar. Really, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and preach the gospel, disciple the Amen. nations. And that that is much more than just get them saved, get them saved, get them saved. We are capturing every sphere of this existence for christ so well we had we had uh, anything bible study tonight i preached on psalm 2 yeah and you that's look at that song. and i just said you know that applies so well to the culture and the world today where uh, you have these wicked people in authority that are boasting and they're crying out against god and they're mocking everything that is good and decent and noble and yet in the midst of that you know, God, God's laughing at them, yeah. and he's setting his son, or he has set his son on the holy hill of Zion, and he's He's put him right there, and he's in a place of authority. He's a place of power. The Bible says in First Peter, angels, authorities, and powers have been made subject unto him. And then he says, you know, ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen or the nations for your inheritance yeah. in the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. I mean, there's something there. I yeah, mean, definitely. I realize not everybody's going to get saved, but I think a lot more people would get saved if we did what we needed to do. You yeah. know, it seems to me, you know, not to get esca into the eschatology, but, you know, there's a harvest of wickedness, a harvest of righteousness. And if we got to get our eyes on Jesus and get as many in as would get in, yeah. and uh, Jesus wants to save him from all the ends of the earth. Yeah. And uh, my brother and I have talked about this too especially in uh, the Western world, we're in a culture that when you get somebody saved, it's natural in a human being. They're going to look for some kind of forms of entertainment. You know, obviously they still have to do commerce. They're going to consume some forms of media yeah. in some respect. They're living in a culture and a culture is made up of various different, you know, beliefs and priorities and whatever. And that's what makes up, you know, kind of how we interact yeah. with what's around us. And, one of the things that I think that that's missing from the church right now is that we, you know, we just we need to care about people being saved and discipled, but we can't leave off the fact that 
These people are going back into a culture, and this culture even belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. This business world belongs to Jesus Christ. This media world belongs to Jesus Christ. And so when we get this larger picture, and you look throughout the entire Old Testament, look at the wide swath of what God had done throughout his kingdom. I mean, we read that in the beginning, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, wow. Lord help changed us. the landscapes of entire people groups, and in, in so doing, changing cultures and everything and leavening it with truth. And um, I just want to, I guess I want to lay that that grand vision in front of us, especially men. Man, if we could just get a hold of that and realize you may not be the preacher, you may not be the missionary, you may not be an evangelist necessarily, but you're you're a businessman, right? You or you work at some place. You're you're a stonemason. You're you cut grass. You know you whatever it might be. Wherever whatever commerce industry you're in, whatever station in life God has put you in, it's purposeful. God has determined the bounds of our habitation first that we might have Amen. to seek after Him, but He's got a world that He's trying to leaven with the gospel. And our obedient faith can affect our local neighborhood and community Amen. and can ripple out way past that. No, I was just thinking, I think I told you this the other day, brother, but um, I landscape, and right now this time of year we do a lot of grass cutting. And uh, every morning, basically, I have to take the, the truck with the trailer with the mowers on, and we go to a certain about well, two gas stations, but one more so than the other. And there's a fellow there. He's probably about seven, eight, nine years older than me. He was in the first Gulf War, and we have a little bit of a relationship, and he fills us up, and we talk and whatever. And uh, I got a chance the other day to tell him a pastor in town. And he just looked at me like I was from Mars or something. You don't find too many pastors that cut grass for a living. And I thought, well, you know, praise the Lord. He got a chance. Maybe that'll open the door. The very next day, he starts talking to me. Well, you know, some of the girls in there are, are uh, talking about the book of Revelation. He's just like, while we're filling up the mowers, he's asking me questions about the book of Revelation. And uh, I got a chance just to talk to him about uh, what Jesus said about the, the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament and how the Pharisee did what he did. And basically the Lord said he prayed with himself and talked about the tax collector who was a rascal but just wouldn't even look up to heaven, but just beat himself on the breast, said, God have mercy me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said he was justified and not the other fella. And it's just like the guy got it. I mean, not that he got saved, but sure. it made impression on him. But I thought to myself, you know, that's my little sphere of influence, and I wouldn't have had that if I wasn't a grass cutter. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so take heart. God's kingdom. Right. It, you, it, you can affect this place, you know, and it's obedient faith that Amen. does it. I was just thinking, I met um, uh, a lady. This is a little while back. Um, I was traveling around and I was preaching a couple different places. And this lady, um, she at that it, it, when I met her, owns a business above this business, has two Airbnb things, and is also I don't remember what the official position is, but she's like a, a um what do you want to call that? Like a city event coordinator. Okay. Almost. Interesting. She told me the story of what happened. She's she's not a missionary. She's not a preacher. She's not whatever. She just had a little shop uh, that was a, a, like a consignment thing for antiques. And then she started to realize, man, the amount of money that I'm paying at this little thing to rent this corner, she said, I, wow. wonder, I probably could just rent a building. Wow. And, and ended up being really close to the same price. So she does. A little while after this, this man down the street owns this huge storefront and then these apartments or whatever okay. over the top of it and he says the lord told me that you 
you're supposed to have these. Interesting. She said, no way, no interest. She was like, too much money, whatever. And he goes, you pray about it, I'll be back. <laughs> and so uh, through the course of time, she ends up finding out that, feeling like, okay, and then says, this, if it's, Lord, if it's this price or under, then I'll know it's from you. And uh, lo and behold, it, it comes to be this price, and it was actually under this Praise price. Praise the Lord. She ends up buying this place, puts a, a store in the downtown, uh, or the down the, the downstairs of it. Above it, she puts these two uh, Airbnb properties and rents them out to people that come in, want to stay. And through that, um, she has been able to, she, they have... They they called it the gossip corner in there. So there's some of the <laughs> ladies from the church there that sit back and they help out with their business. People come in and say, this place is, is it's just so peaceful. I don't know what it is about this place, but I just want to sit in here. And yeah. so they said, we have people come sit in the chair. They cry. They tell us all their problems. We tell them about the Lord. Wow. We pray with them. And that's a normal occurrence. Also, the the mayor comes up to her after the store opens and says, so what are uh so what are you going to do here for the the city or the village here and she said i really wasn't thinking but i turned to him and i said to him actually my question is what are you going to do for the city and she said after wow. i said that she said i realized it was very forward and i thought that was really like maybe not <laughs> smart and the man said i'd like to meet with you at another time and so schedules a meeting the guy ends up asking her what needs to be done in the city Long story short, she becomes this event coordinator for the city. All these businesses open up later than what they normally would, and they wanted to have this alcohol event. She said, nope, we're not doing the alcohol Good for like her. that. And uh, uh, apparently, she didn't have all this authority. So they all these people end up doing the, uh, the alcohol out in front of their buildings, trying to attract customers in. The people were so uh, upset about things afterwards because every store that was having alcohol out in the front as whatever had zero sales. She had the most sales oh, wow. in the entire downtown of everyone else. And God has opened this door Good for, for her. her. She said, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, but God opened these doors up and here she's a lay person. She's not a missionary. She's not a whatever. And God has extended his kingdom and the influence uh, of the gospel through this lady's obedient faith, even over these other seemingly insignificant issues that God has used to open up larger doors. Well, I mean, if you're a Christian businessman or, you know, whatever you do for employment, you can have such an incredible influence for God because you know, I was talking to a cousin the other day and she needed work done in her house and she can't trust the contractor. She lives outside Philly. Yep. They're so crooked. They're so corrupt. And, uh, you know, you have to get 50% up front and then they may not even show up just when we we have a breakdown in society it's an opportunity for christians just to do a good job who show up who are diligent people are going to notice that it's a huge influence and if we would have the mentality that it's not just from the pulpit but it's wherever i go i yeah. can spread gospel seed yeah and you know as much as we don't like what's happening in our culture it's going to give the real christian opportunity to shine because as as our sad nation gets stranger and weirder and more corrupt the christians who are drawn closer to god are going to shine like lights yeah bright amen. lights in the darkness and uh it'll be a good time to to put in the gospel to people because they're watching thank god and so when we think about this we were talking about the this uh hebrews 11 you know can this stuff still happen today and i mean we talked about a few of these little incidents yeah. that are just really homely and you know and what god does through them 
the theme we find inside of Hebrews 11 is if you look at all of the exploits of faith that were done in that section, all of these people's faith was shown in their obedience. It was obedient That's good. faith. They didn't they didn't simply say, uh, well, I need to have faith in God and I'm going to go do great things now. God bless it. They knew the voice of God. They walked with God. And they did that in, a, in, in just simple obedience to whatever God had revealed to them. And God took these seeming nobodies that you find in this, in this chapter of Hebrews 11, and here they are, thousands of years afterwards, there they are in this Praise hall of God. faith. And we're, we are looking to these simple people to stir us up and say, hey, you're surrounded by Lord a great cloud us. of witnesses. Don't give up. Keep pressing in. God's got something to do through you as well. I think it was Hudson Taylor that uh, when he went to China, that his motto was expect great things. No, attempt great things from God, expect great things from God. Yeah. And, you know, you read of what he did, how he prayed in missionaries to China, and they said it was all an act of faith. It was all a faith work. And it became the greatest vehicle that God used in China in that time period to reach the lost souls. And uh, but there was something in his heart that said, "Was it, no? Maybe that was William Carey. Was it William Carey or Hudson Taylor? I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure, brother. One, uh, forgive me if I got that wrong. One of them, maybe it was. I think it was Carey. Forgive me of that. It was no, William Carey who went to India. Was expect and then attempt great things from God. Yep. So um, you know, still you know, both of them were great missionaries. I didn't have that written down. I should have written that down. But, uh, you know, regardless, India, China, greatly impacted by two men that had almost nothing, but they knew God and they walked with God and they did it by faith. Amen. And so I, I just say that as a matter of encouragement to anybody that's listening. I mean, it, this is convicting to me. It's it's a Lord help us all. Yeah. my heart to me to realize, Eric, this can happen through you if you'll let it. If you will just listen for the voice of God and take those obedient steps of faith in whatever he is showing, what would God do? What would happen in his kingdom? And, you know, of course, I'm I'm a preacher. Um, I have a specific calling on my life, so there's certain ways that I would do it. But I guess we start off with some of those homely illustrations because nobody should be shut out of the kingdom. In fact, some of these people inside of Hebrews 11 they're shepherds, you know? That's where they they were. Go from David, shepherd, to a king. You look at the prophet Amos. He was a shepherd, and God said, I've got something to you to tell to the nations. I mean, repeatedly, over and over again, and, and even in, in the time of Christ, fishermen, illiterate men, he's taking those guys, they turn the world upside down. And so I just say to you, can can Hebrews chapter 11 happen in this day? Most certainly. And, it, and it's not just by people that have this giant mountain-moving faith. They're people that simply heard the voice of God and decided to obey him and walk in the light. One of the most godly men that I know of is a lay, a lay brother in his late 70s, I guess. And he had an experience with Christ, I think probably 40-some years ago, where he really got settled and sanctified, spirit-filled life. And uh, not officially a preacher, but a businessman, given thousands and thousands of dollars to the cause of Christ at our camp meeting for our group of churches. He's there in the mornings to pray. Yeah, He's a soul winner. He goes out on Saturday mornings it's calling, good, just a tremendous man of God. Uh, when you hear him pray, he has as much God on him as any preacher I know, but yet he doesn't preach from behind the pulpit. Yeah, And yet his influence is far greater than the vast majority of preachers I know. Yeah. Yeah, and that that should be the encouragement. 
God is no respecter of persons just because we may have a title of minister, preacher, evangelist, missionary, or whatever thing you want to, whatever title you want to give. If we don't have that simple, obedient faith in God, then God will pass us up and he'll find the one that does. Yeah. And God will do great things. I do, I do want us to realize too, that in this culture i think a lot of the the pragmatism that that destroys this kind of faith that we see in in hebrews 11 i think that the pragmatism comes because we live in a microwave culture where yeah. it's like well i trusted god for this and it didn't happen so i've got to change things now we've right. got to do this differently when you look at hebrews chapter 11 all of these people had a long haul view of faith. They realized this wasn't about them. It was about the kingdom of God. And they knew that this kingdom has been foretold about in the scriptures. They were looking for this messianic kingdom that was coming up ahead. And so all what they did, they had done in faith, knowing that somehow God was pulling all this together. And all that they concerned themselves with was, God, what do you want me to do now? In light of this, what you're doing in this, this great kingdom, I, I don't know where I fit in. I don't even know how long it's all going to be, but what do you want me to do? And then in obedient faith, they do it. Not only does God spill out these exploits right in their day, but then now we have the benefits of this side of Calvary looking at their yeah. obedient faith back there, how this fit into this grand plan of God's redemption. Well, I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by the darkness and say, what can I do? So they don't try or they don't really seek God for a, a clear guidance as to what they should do yeah but the thing is you know there's some things you can control and some things you can't and the greater picture we don't have a lot of control over we got to trust god that he's working but we find our little niche we find out what god wants us to do and we might be surprised how much god will do through us if we just are faithful to what he calls us to do in our little sphere of influence yeah amen so I guess that's part of the thing. I know you've probably heard that adage before. It's like, well, brother, you just need to be faithful. There's times where that's rubbed me the wrong way because I've heard it come from people's mouths. And what they mean is I don't want to do anything. So I'm right. just going to believe God's right. going to be okay with me. Right. But then there's other times where we need to hear that. We're doing exactly what we believe. We don't see much of anything going on. And really, at the end of Hebrews 11, it says, these people all died not having obtained the promise. Wow. Their faith not only was in a in a, a present living god right now but their faith was well beyond their years and generation they believed in a god that reigned successive generations Amen. you know we may die and move on but they believed in a god that continued to reign and so what exploits then can god do if we have that view i mean we we find some of them here throughout this this hall of faith yeah but defying the tyranny of kings here we are in, in COVID culture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lord help us. And I, I, this is, so I don't agree with necessarily John MacArthur's five point Calvinism. However, yeah. I was very much blessed yeah. by his stance during that whole COVID thing that he said, you will not dictate to us when we will worship God or how we will worship God. God dictates that to us. And I'm going to obey God rather than man. And you know what? God provided for the the financial needs of the church when they were sued and everything else wow. went and you know instead of that church being snuffed out i believe their attendance sky oh, went up sure and john macarthur's sure. influence is probably exponentially grew simply because he stood in obedient faith in defiance of tyranny yeah you have a man there who does a lot of things really well and some things that 
well, we'll we'll leave unsaid in terms of his emphasis. But sure. you know, credit to whom credit is due. You know, there's a man I believe loves God, and he um, stood, and God's standing with him. So praise God for that. I remember <laughs> hearing a story of Rollin Mitchell. Uh, he's a preacher out in Indiana. He said, and I don't know if this is somebody he was linked to. Uh, it sounded like he kind of knew people involved okay. with this. Well, there was this little uh, group of praying people, and they had a church that was kind of tucked out of the center of the town. And these old ladies are praying together, and they believe God said, uh, that building down in the downtown on the corner is yours, is going to be yours. Oh, wow. So they went down to the downtown, figured out who owns that building. And they go and talk with the man, and he goes, oh, you're part of that group, those holy rollers. There's no okay. way you're ever going to get this building. It's not going to happen. Interesting. They said, God told us he's going to give it to us, so you can either surrender it peacefully or things aren't going to go so well. That's what mm -hmm. these ladies say. So they end up leaving, and they keep praying. And then from what I understood, there was a dam up on a hill. Oh, wow. Uh, back, you know, I don't know how long off, but it broke. That dam came rushing down into this, um, uh, excuse me, it was the plot of land that they wanted. Uh, okay, okay. That dam picked up their little church, slid it down the hill, and wouldn't you know, it dropped that church right on the oh, plot goodness. of land that was vacant that that guy would not sell. That man came under conviction, got saved, and Praise gave them God. the plot of land. Amen. Now, that's, uh, that's quite unusual, but simply illustrating the point is his modern day Hebrews 11, is that even going to happen? Can it happen? Here's these old ladies that said, God told us he was going to do such a thing, and we believe him. And so they just kept on believing. Well, I think about a story with Ravenhill, and I heard this years ago, and I don't remember all the details. I just remember the basic gist of it. And there was a woman in England. She was a, a Wesleyan lady like Ravenhill was, and she was on fire for God, and she lived in a city, maybe Leeds, where Ravenhill was from, and uh, it was a, a row of homes, like, really tight together. And as a lot of the people back then used to do in the 20s and 30s, she would preach. And she would, you know, call uh, to, out to people on the street. She'd preach to people. She'd cry out Bible verses. I mean, she's a pretty fervent soul. Sure. She had an unsaved son who was a rascal. Uh, he was a drinker. He chased the girls, you know, whatever. And uh, one day, one time when she was preaching to her neighbors, um, Somebody cried out, you know, your son's the biggest drunkard and he's got all these girlfriends and, you know, why don't you preach to him? And she stopped and she said, you know what, if the Lord's put it on my heart, I will not preach to you people again until my son gets saved. And she gave herself to prayer and fasting and I do not remember how long it took, but she prayed him under conviction, prayed him into salvation. God sanctified his heart and became one of the greatest Wesleyan holiness preachers of England in that time period. Wow. And that's wow. faith. That's faith. That Lord help us all. That that stirs me, brother. I hear stories like that and I'm just like, Lord help me. It doesn't overwhelm me. It just makes me realize if God can do it for them, God can certainly do it for us. Well, I've got some work then, brother, because sometimes I read those and it does feel overwhelming because <laughs> well, I feel like, God, I don't even know how to pray. I read those things well, and that's what I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's a whole lot of truth to that. <laughs> Lord, I don't know how to pray. Teach me to well, pray. Yes. Um, Amen. But again, it's a hard issue. You know, uh, do we see it? Do we, do we believe it? Is my God big enough? You know, those kind of things. Amen. Lord, help us um, all. But we have different things that, that we see here. We we watch with people defeating huge armies with small amounts of people, with Gideon, 
We talk about uh, warring against oppressors with Barak and and Deborah, and then they they capture the the basically the whole the Canaanite um, land is against them. Take care of that whole situation. It says they subdued kingdoms. Wow, God help us. That's powerful, brother. I had I think it's this book here. Uh, you that, told yes, you told me about this book. I have not read this yet, but it is uh, the revival in Indonesia. You correct me if I'm wrong. But I think you had said there was something of a communist takeover that was starting to happen. And That's the, what I understand. The yeah. Church band together and prayed and fasted. Yeah. And God, He struck dead these leaders who were something happened. Something. Like yeah, the the opposing governmental side, whatever it was, they basically regained power and kiboshed the communists that were coming to power. So now, what uh, year was that happened? I think that was the late '60s, middle or late '60s. God, you know. And this is what we're saying is modern day Hebrews 11. Can it happen today? Yeah, man. If when we if we get to the gates of glory, and we we start to see yeah. what God shows, there is going to be a hall of faith that's you're going to see the exploits yeah. that have been done ad nauseum almost. You know, it's just going to be incredible to see it all. Well, I read. Oh, I forget his name right now, but he was a good writer. I think it was Hugel. Maybe it was Hugel. I think he was a missionary in Mexico. About the same time period, he said that the communists were going to take over Mexico, and they had a group of prayer warriors there, and God undertook and, and put down the the communist uh, regime, or maybe it wasn't a regime yet, but it was gaining power, and uh, they were able to see reversal there. So, yeah. you know, God, God cares primarily about seeing souls, but he also cares about this stuff, too, because it affects Souls. His kingdom, souls, yeah. the kingdom, all that. So we should pray for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're commanded pray for rulers, right? And all that kind and of. And God thing. wants good pray rulers for, that you might live a quiet and peaceable life, life. In all godliness and honesty. It that says. sounds like a constitutional type of government. If God yeah. can bless us with it, I think He wants to give it to us. So yeah, may God help us. That that stirs my heart. Through faith, these people subdued kingdoms. I think. When I read this stuff, I think, God, my faith is too small. Lord, help us. And, and then I think we've got to reach out larger than that. And um, I believe it was, uh, now I don't agree with a, a lot of things this man said, but I did hear something of Derek Prince. Mm -hmm. And uh, Derek Prince had said um, that God helped him through, I believe it was that that scripture I just quoted about um, that to live a quiet and peaceful life and all yeah. godliness and honesty. That was the motive God had given to us to pray for our leaders oh, wow. that we might live that way. And he said, why would God say that? Well, because when you live in a free world, the gospel is easier to propagate and move out. When you live in a oppressed nation in place, they put the squeeze on it. And the thing is, in spite of it all and through the times of persecution, right. the gospel still goes, but it still doesn't change the fact that when you are in times where there is relative freedoms like that, the freedom of press, the freedom of speech, the gospel can be more widely Absolutely. published in those times. I remember probably 10, 15 years ago, a brother, and I believe he was a good brother, like, well, all we need is persecution. And it, when he said that to me, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I thought to myself, we're not disciplining ourselves now to pray while we have freedom. What's to say that we're going to discipline ourselves to pray and live for God under persecution or under an oppressive government? You know, it's kind of a cop-out, I think, you know, and I think that probably people mean well, and I understand it can work that way, but sometimes persecution just wipes out the Christian witness like happened in North Africa or different places in the world in church history. So there's no guarantee that it's going to be good. You know, sometimes the church thrives and advances, but if we can have a government or a type of society where we're free to spread the gospel, 
you know, why not take advantage of it and pray that God keep it as long as possible? God subdued kingdoms before. We believe he can still do it. Absolutely. You know? and, and let us press in to see that happen. Another one of these things, and you brought this to my attention a year or two ago, but it says that through faith, people have wrought righteousness. And another translation says it this way, administered justice. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, because we're in a world filled with lawlessness and God raised up men inside of the scriptures. I think of Daniel, I think of Ezra, Nehemiah, Joseph into high political power, Mordecai, yeah. high places of political power. And through that administered justice, true righteousness yeah. in the land. And it was through faith that they, this happened. This did not come at a small cost to any of these people. They said, we will obey God regardless of what it looks like or regardless yeah. of what's going to happen. And uh, I say, God, you can do it again. And that's what we need. We need a restoration of the rule of law in our society. We need justice, you know, without getting into the political. If you're awake, you realize what's happening. And we, we need to see God move in that regard. Yeah, amen. It says people obtained promises, too, through faith. Obviously, I, I, I mean, one of the things, one of the ones that stuck out to me was Hannah. You know, Lord, I'm barren. And then she just pours her heart out and... and you know, she gets rebuked for being drunk. She says, I'm not drunk. I am desperate. And God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And who comes out of it but Samuel, Samuel. the prophet. And God, I mean, God honored that lady's faith. She obtained a promise. She was going to have a son. Amen. You know, Abraham obtained a promise. He's going to have a son. Uh, we see those things taking place. Well, we just, we need that perseverance. I think yeah. we are so overwhelmed at times and so discouraged that we just we just give up but we've got to be steadfast we've got to encourage ourselves in the lord we got to read the word we got to read some of these old stories and we have to just say i'm not going to give up amen so i just i mean i mean i know that's a little bit um maybe not everything uh, that could be said i mean i'm sure there's many many more yeah. examples but i just want uh that to be, I mean, it's encouragement to my own heart, yeah, my brother, absolutely. as we talk about things, but to, to any of you, don't put your head in the sand and give up right now. If God has done this before, this is what you were talking about, I think, in the beginning, or maybe this was the last episode where we were talking about prayer. Um, when praying over the word of God, you're like, Lord, you did this to these people. You did this here. You did this here. You did this here. I'm asking you to do this now. And we can say, Lord, look at all you've done when people walked in obedient Amen. faith. I'm asking you to do this for us here. So today, we've got those examples. We talked about a few of those. We think, you know, uh, there could be many more. But I just want it to be that you that are listening, uh, don't give up. Right. Stir yourself up. Find those stories of faith. Find the George Mueller's. Find you know this the revival in Indonesia. Find the uh, the you know Duncan Campbell and and the uh, uh, the Hebrides revival and read those things and and look for any of those smaller ones where we see the faith that has been uh, moving forward in, in just simple people Amen. and what God has done. And then I don't know if you have something to say about this, but I would say. Don't worry about whether or not we're at the caliber of some of these people. Simply seek the face of God when he lays some point of obedience in front of us. Take that step of obedient faith. And like you had said, William Carey, expect great things from God. Amen. Expect them from God. 
I don't know if you've got anything no, that's else about you want it. to say, brother. That's but about it. The modern day Hebrews 11 is possible, and it's up to our obedient faith. And so we're saying uh, you have that obedient faith. Pray for us. We'll have that obedient Amen. faith. And until next time, you just keep pressing in, keep seeking God in his face, and expecting great things. Lord bless you. Amen. Lord bless hey, now you. that you've watched this first video, don't stop now. Check out the next video up here, or maybe you just want to go on a binge watch and look at this playlist.